the Center for Interfaith Cooperation in Indianapolis, Indiana, is dedicated to building peaceful dialogue among and between different faith communities with the help of a diverse board of faith leaders who have incredible stories that inform their interfaith work. Today, we have Ashley Wagner. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, Ashley, if you could just give us a little bit about yourself and how you became involved with the Center for Interfaith Cooperation. Sure. Well, I am the board member that is representing the pagan community. Um, I myself am Wiccan, mostly. Um, I became involved in the interfaith work. Charlie Wiles actually approached one of our community members who does some events at the interchurch and asked them if they wanted to be on the board. Um, And that group, which is the um, IPCOD, which is the Indiana Pagan Community Outreach and Dialogue, they decided to open it up to the entire community because, one, they knew that the community is bigger than just that one group that the CIC had been exposed to, and two, they were just way too busy and didn't have time to do anything like that. Um, We got together, and they picked out community members who were active members of the community, people who were leaders of groups that were really active in the community. Some of the old guard is what we call them for some of our elders. And we had several meetings. And let me tell you, getting pagans to meet together is like herding ferrets. (laughs) It's very difficult to get them all to agree on a time and place to meet. Hmm. We managed to do it a couple of times. John came and John at the CIC came and explained what the board membership would be like and what they were needing in a board member. Um, And we took a vote, which was an interesting process as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There were, I think, three or four candidates for the board membership. We took a vote within the pagan community. So it's even different than what was done for voting at the the CIC. Um, So there were three or four people that were put up for the position. You had to be you know, nominated by somebody else. You couldn't nominate yourself. You had to submit a resume. So I had to, uh, Mm -hmm. writing a resume out as a pagan, (laughs) it's like, what do I put on here? Mm -hmm. Um, And then people read those over. People submitted their votes. They were counted by an impartial third party who was actually not part of our um, voting process. And it was decided that I was the winner. So they submitted that to the CIC. And then the CIC has to do their process and everything. And Mm -hmm. here I am. Dang, that's a, an accomplishment that <laughs> you're representing that. Getting community. them together to to mm-hmm. vote on something was an accomplishment in and of itself. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So do you commit full time to work in the pagan community or do you also have a job outside? I have a job. Like most pagans, we don't have permanent clergy that that's all they do. Um, when I say the pagan community, we're talking about a collection of hundreds of different religious paths. Hmm. Pagan is not a religion. Pagan is a group of religious practices. So there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of different ways to be pagan. Um, So having one representative for the entire pagan community in just Indianapolis is representing an astounding number of denominations. Um, So what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) So just if you commit full time to this. Oh, yes. So we don't have we don't have churches or 
synagogues or mosques or anything like that where our clergy can practice their faith full time. Mm-hmm. We don't have anything like that. We don't have any funds or sacred spaces that are permanent to us um, right now. Mm-hmm. There are a couple places in the world where they do have things like that, but that's a really, really rare occurrence. Mm -hmm. So most people that are clergy within the pagan community, which I am actually clergy, um, they have outside jobs. Um, Unless they're retired from whatever job it is that they had before, they they mostly have day jobs. So Mm -hmm. I do have a day job. I work in an office. I talk to people on the phone and solve their problems for them and (laughs) things like that. So Great. Awesome. Yeah. So how has this been a part of your faith journey like how did you become pagan and if that's the right term as Mm -hmm. would you consider yourself pagan or is there another term that you'd take on for that I do consider myself pagan Um, and I consider myself pagan because some of the more specific terms don't always apply to me I came up being Wiccan um, but sometimes even I don't think that fully describes my personal spiritual path because it is a very personal spiritual path Mm -hmm. From a young age, I knew that I was different spiritually than other people. I got kicked out of Sunday school when I was really little for <laughs> asking too many questions and the wrong questions, apparently. Interesting. Uh, so they didn't want me coming back anymore, mm-hmm. um, which turned out to be fine because my parents really encouraged questions of all kinds. Mm-hmm. They encouraged questions about our surroundings, about things we saw on the news or on TV, about our religion. I remember being really frustrated as a little girl and going to my dad and asking him a question and he would say, well, go look it up. Mm-hmm. And that was so frustrating to me at the time. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't want to look it up. I just want you to tell me the answer. And it was go look it up. And then I would come back and we would talk about the answer and what it actually meant, and if I understood the answer. And if I didn't understand the answer, he would explain it a little more in detail for Mm -hmm. somebody my age. Um, So that ended up being really beneficial for me later on in life because when I got to the age where I was in school and they were teaching, I remember this really specifically, they were teaching us about stereotypes and what a stereotype is and how people come up with stereotypes and if there's any kind of truth behind them or where that stereotype may have come from. and I started thinking about, like, wow, I, Halloween's my favorite holiday ever. Mm-hmm. I wonder why witches have green faces and pointy hats. And nobody could tell me. So, like my dad said to do, I looked Good. it up. Mm-hmm. I went to the library, uh, which you wouldn't think there'd be a lot of pagan information in the yeah. library in the, in the 90s. It was the early <laughs> 90s. Um, but And there wasn't a whole lot, but there was some. And one of the first books I found was the Encyclopedia of Witches and Witchcraft. Mm. And I read it. And the more I read about it, the more I was like, well, that's already something that I believe. So that makes sense to me mm-hmm. on an intellectual level. And then the more I learned about the spirituality of it, the more I thought that this was really the right path for me to go on. Um, so it was thanks to my parents encouraging me to look it up and learn for it myself that I started on this path. And I think that they kicked themselves about that later because they had a very hard time mm-hmm. accepting my religious choice because it was so different from what I had been raised in. Um, And it's been a 25-year journey since then. I was 10 years old when I started uh, practicing and studying witchcraft and Wicca specifically. And that sounds like a really young age to a lot of people, especially when I was younger than I am now. Mm -hmm. It sounded really young. And it kind of is. But when you think about how early kids are exposed to the religion of their parents, it's really quite old to be choosing 
a religion. Mm-hmm. Um, most people that are currently in the community choose a lot later in life. There aren't as many people that are like me that are from it from a very young age becoming Wiccan, although there are some or other forms of paganism. And there's even fewer that are actually born into being pagan. Most okay. pagans are converts of some other religious practice, usually Christianity, a lot of times Catholicism. Mm-hmm. So it's it's everybody has similar beginnings, yeah. um, just maybe not at the same age. A right. lot of pagans you will hear when they talk about how they first came to paganism. It's like, well, I started reading about all the major religions because we all do. We all read about the major religions first. Mm-hmm. And then they start coming to different forms of paganism and they realize how much that already coincides with the things that they already believed and how much it contradicts things that they feel uncomfortable with in mainstream religion. Hmm. So it, it, for a lot of them, they describe it as it's a coming home. It feels right. It feels like their soul is lighter when they talk about paganism, when they think about paganism. It's it's lighter for them because the burden of following a religious path that's really not your own is very, very heavy, mm-hmm. no matter what your religious path is. If you're trying to find some, follow something that doesn't actually feed your soul, it's a really heavy burden yeah. to, to carry with you. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, that's a process, and I feel like it takes a lot of people to sit down and really develop their own beliefs. I feel like... Mm-hmm all my life for the most part I believed what my parents did right and it wasn't until I came to college that I really was given that space to decide for myself what I wanted to commit to a lot a lot of people discover paganism in one form or another when they're in college because that is a Hmm. really formative time in your life it's the first time for most people that they are away from their parents it's the first time where they have to do those things by themselves they're exposed more to a lot more cultural differences than they were in their hometown and in their house and in their high school so it's really that's a really common time for people Mm -hmm. to discover it I guess I'm an odd person because I was 10 so (laughs) that's fascinating yeah and so looking at I know this is going to be hard to um fully describe Mm -hmm. so looking at paganism for somebody who has no idea what this looks like is there any way that you could explain that to so paganism is a lot more about what we don't share in common with the major religions than what we do share in common with ourselves so pagans by and large and this is not okay there's no absolutes in paganism Mm -hmm. the first time you say well all pagans are like this there's going to be some group that's going to say no No, we're not like that at all. In fact, here's six reasons why we're not like that. But there's a lot of things that we do have in common. A lot of pagans are polytheistic. They believe in many different gods. Even if they don't worship many different gods, they don't discount that those other gods exist within the greater work of the universe. Mm -hmm. So you may only work with Isis, and that's your main patron goddess. Isis is a really common one for people to worship. Mm -hmm. Um, but you don't discount the existence of somebody like Freya or Baba Yaga or, you know, many other different entities and gods and spirits and things mm-hmm. like that. You know that they exist. It's just not the one that you concentrate on. Interesting. So we all are, we believe in different gods. They're just not always the one that we work with primarily. And some people only ever work with one god and they never work with any other ones. But some people don't work with gods at all. Some people only work with spirits of the land, and it depends on the person if they're working on spirits of the land that they currently inhabit or spirits of the land from their ancestors 
which are different things, especially here in the United States, where most most of the people that practice paganism are not from this country, right. except for our immigrant parents and grandparents mm-hmm. and great grandparents, etc. Yeah. There's also people that work with uh, ancestors solely. They don't work with any kind of divine beings of any kind. They mm-hmm. work with their ancestral spirits only. And it's not just their ancestral spirits, but it's the, the ancestral spirits of all of humanity. So it's not necessarily just by their bloodline, but it's mm-hmm. other bloodlines too. Mm-hmm. So they may be praying to Nefertiti as a great Egyptian queen, um, even if that's not in their bloodline. They, mm-hmm. they feel some kind of kinship with her as a person in the world. You have to be careful with things like that, though, because you don't want to overstep the bounds of cultural appropriation. Hmm. But, about that. Yeah. 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 So could you be pagan and also be Christian? Um, or there's, another religion? There's some, there's some debate about that, because one of the things that defines paganism is that it's not one of the big five. The big five being uh, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. Okay. So technically, the, the, I guess, dictionary definition of somebody who's pagan is they don't belong to one of those five things. Mm-hmm. Now, you have pagans, and then you have the different denominations of pagans, like Wiccans, etc., etc. But then you have people who practice witchcraft, and witchcraft, while often part of pagan practices, is not necessarily pagan. You can be Christian and practice witchcraft. Mm -hmm. You can be Buddhist and practice witchcraft. You can be Muslim and practice witchcraft. You can be all of these other religions and practice witchcraft, and it's not the same as being pagan of any kind because it's a different type of practice. That's a good distinction to know. And then looking at you, since I know there's so many different ways, how do you particularly practice? I am eclectic. So some people don't like people that are eclectic because they don't think that we have any kind of um, standards of belief in any way. But we really do. It's just more on a personal level and not on a everybody that practices this way does things this way. It's this is my practice. This is the way that I always do it. So that's the way that I govern myself. Um, I am eclectic. So I take practices from different types of paganism and... The things that I like, I keep, and the things that I don't like, I don't keep. Um, And I think that it's thanks to writers like Scott Cunningham that I learned that I was able to do that. Scott Cunningham is one of my favorite pagan authors of all time, and in one of his books, he specifically states, if you don't like something and it's not working for you, don't do it, because it's not going to give you anything. It's not going to help you on your spiritual path in any way. Mm -hmm. It's not going to add to your experience during the ritual, so just don't do it. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got growing up Mm -hmm. being pagan was you don't have to do all the things that they say you have to do. You don't have to have all the things that they say you need to have in your practice as far as tools and spaces and things like that, clothing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have all those things if it doesn't benefit you. Now, one of the things that one of the reasons why you would have those things is because it is a psychological tool to help you focus your mind and focus your energy. I mean, you have that in every religion. Catholicism mm-hmm. has a lot of props. Paganism has a lot of props. It's true. Yeah. So okay. everybody's got props. And if it helps you focus, go for it. Use it. There are lots of props that I do use. But I can just as easily go and sit out in the middle of the woods and have a ritual with the sticks and the, the stones around me 
than I can at my own home with my formal altar set up and all of my stuff that's mm-hmm. around me. So are there continuous practices that you do or do you just feel it in the moment and then um, take on, like you say you go into nature and then you see these tools and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Do you just see what benefits you in the moment or is there a particular process that you go th- through each time? I think that depends on your practice. Some people are really bad at spontaneous ritual. Mm -hmm. Some people are really, really good at spontaneous ritual and they open their mouth and all these beautiful poetic words flow out. And some people, even when it's written down on a piece of paper in front of them, stumble over the words. Mm -hmm. So I think that depends on your practice. My personal practice, I do it both ways. Um, Some rituals are very planned out. There are rituals that you're supposed to do every year during certain times of the year. We have a calendar, a religious calendar. Mm. Um, In Wicca specifically, it's called the Wheel of the Year. And a lot of pagan communities use those holidays or similar holidays or some of the holidays and not all of them. In Wicca, you also have 13 full moons and you have the the dark of the moon as well. And ideally, you know, if you're really good and really devout, you do all of those things. Mm-hmm. But again, a ritual is something that you do over and over and over again. It becomes part of your routine. So if your ritual on every full moon is to have this big elaborate setup with wine and cakes and lots of candles and incense and chanting and flowy skirts and brooms. That's great. That's your thing. I applaud your dedication (laughs) and your willingness to set up all that stuff and clean it up at the end of the night. My full moon ritual most of the time is saying, hey, it's a full moon. Let's talk to the full moon for a while and see how she's doing. And let's talk to the spirits Mm -hmm. and let's talk to our ancestors and We'll share some drink and some food and maybe light some incense if we're really feeling fancy. Mm-hmm. But my full moon rituals are usually really, really simple. It also depends on if you're in a group or if you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. Your your solo rituals are probably going to be really different than if you're having a lot of people with you. Um, and it's also going to depend on if you're just a participant in the ritual, if you're just a witness in the ritual, or if you're the leader of the ritual. So... It kind of depends on the situation. We don't always have the same people leading the ritual each time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it changes depending on what the ritual is, who feels a connection to the God that's highlighted in that ritual, you know, who really loves that time of year and just really want, or whose turn it just is. Sometimes it's just about whose turn it is to do the ritual. Mm-hmm. So it really just depends. There's a lot of yeah. factors going into it. Definitely. And you said sometimes that's community and sometimes that's solo. So mm-hmm. some people do share a commonality to come together to worship together yes yes it's different than it is in some of the the bigger religions um pagan rituals are a lot smaller generally Mm -hmm. um a typical group depending on what you call them a grove or a coven or a kindred or just a circle um is usually between five and ten people I would say that's pretty average for a group. They're usually very small groups. People work very, very intimately with one another. So it's a very different dynamic than if you go to a church. Even if you go to a small church, you probably have more people than that there. Mm -hmm. And you probably don't know everything there is to know about everybody in your church. When you're in a pagan group, a lot of times you will pretty much know everything about everybody. That's really cool. It's very, very close-knit. It's an extremely intimate relationship. And Mm -hmm. I'm not talking like sexually intimate it's an emotionally intimate which is sometimes so much more intimate than other types of intimacy so it's very small groups groups are usually not really formalized they're not really connected with one another 
I have belonged to several groups all at the same time. And as long as our rituals don't clash with one another, I can go to all of those rituals at the same time. Mm -hmm. But probably, I would say most people that practice paganism in one kind or another are solitary practitioners. And it's because a lot of them don't know that there are other pagans in their community, or they know that there probably are, but they don't know how to find them. Pagan groups are usually really um, picky about who they let in to their group. We don't want people that are there to just observe, and that's all that they're there to do. We want people who actually want to take place in the spirituality, in the, in the practice of it. So you can go to an open pagan ritual, but you're not just going to sit on the sidelines and do nothing. You're going to be in the circle with everybody else, moving with everybody else. If you know the words, chanting with everybody else, you know, raising your hands, standing, sitting, dancing, climbing trees, whatever it is the ritual calls for at mm-hmm. that point. You're going to be active in the ritual, even if you don't have like an active speaking part in the ritual. Mm-hmm. You you can't just be a casual observer for paganism. And some people come in and try to be that. They just want to watch. Right. And we're not really into voyeurism in that sense. Um, we get a lot of people that are just doing it because they're trying to rebel against some kind of authority, usually their mm-hmm. parents. And being pagan is hard and it's not for the casual person and we really try to discourage people that are just like doing it to do it well do it on your own for a while first Hmm. because you work so intimately with people you also want to make sure that you can work with those people so you can't just go to a pagan gathering and say hey i want to be part of this group and expect us to say welcome aboard come along here's your athme it's you have to practice with those people for a while. You have to get to know them on a personal level because it's such a personal experience and an emotional bond that you create with these people Mm -hmm. that you practice with. So we do have groups that get together. There are a lot of groups that get together. Most groups don't really last that long because of many different reasons, but most people are solitary practitioners or they'll form a group, the group will break up, they'll go spread to other groups and be a part of those groups and then those groups will break up and it's just kind of a, it's a life cycle hmm. and mm-hmm. that's something that we pay a lot of attention to is the life cycle of the earth and ourselves but also our groups too. When it's time to disband as a group, it's time to disband as a group and that's, that's what you do. That yeah. makes sense. And looking, so if somebody were wanting to learn more or were interested about pursuing this path, do you recommend then making that their personal journey and going about their research and understanding by themselves more? Because it sounds like if you wanted to become involved in that community, you'd want to know your personal um, understanding and beliefs going in. It's good to understand, to know your personal understanding and beliefs going in, but a lot of people do need help. They don't know where to start. There's a lot of information Mm -hmm. out there, and it's really hard to sort through the information that's good information Mm -hmm. and the information that's bad information. Um, When I was really young studying, a teacher told me, you know, read everything you possibly can. Even the bad things will give you information, and usually that information is how to spot the bad things. But today, that that was when the internet was really new. <laughs> Today, there's so much information. People are inundated. There's websites that you can go to. There's place. There's Facebook groups groups that you can join. And, and there's just so much out there that people get really overwhelmed and they don't know where to start. There's quite a few New Age shops and pagan shops in the Indianapolis area, actually. And even when you go into those shops, it's still really overwhelming to new people because Mm -hmm. they don't know what to look for they don't know what they're supposed to be 
getting. They don't know where the good authors to read and the authors that, well, their theories may be good, but all of their information that they were basing this on has been debunked because it was written by Margaret Murray and she's debunked. So mm-hmm. it's it's really difficult to know as a new person today where to start. If you go to Facebook, which Facebook has its issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have issues with Facebook, but we do use it a lot for networking. Um, and so there are going to be a lot of events listed on Facebook for groups in the Indianapolis area or beyond that you can go to because we use that a lot for networking. Wow. So we do exist. We do have community outreach through several different groups. Mm-hmm. We have community events that happen. It's just a matter of knowing where to start. And that can definitely be really overwhelming. And I do recommend people kind of start with a friend and get some advice on what to read and where to go. Yeah, definitely. And I know that probably helps with some misconceptions too. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at just paganism, have you encountered those misconceptions and how do you feel when somebody has this preconceived notion? How do you kind of debunk that and go about it? Yeah. So I am really grateful for pop culture because it has shown a favorable light for the most part, on paganism right now. Um, when I was growing up, I was just like every other young pagan, and I was angry about everything all the time. That's a normal stage for pagans to be in. Don't get offended if we're like that. Um, I was offended really easily when people would get stuff wrong. And it wasn't just that they were getting stuff wrong. is that they were being offensive. They were literally trying to be offensive. They would call me a devil worshiper. They would ask me if I ate babies. Um, they, uh, men often assume that I am extremely promiscuous because I'm pagan, um, (laughs) which is really laughable. Um, and it's the things that people would say to me that you're going to hell constantly. People Mm -hmm. would say that I was going to hell. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's really difficult to date as a pagan Mm -hmm. because you can be having like a really good date with a guy and then. You know, a few dates in, the subject of religion comes up and you're like, well, I'm pagan. They're out the door faster than you can blink Mm. because they think that you're going to curse them or something like that. And it's just people get scared of us more than anything. Um, And part of that is I really blame the teachings that they were given as as a child of what pagan means. If you look at the... People that study Christianity called pagans non-believers, mm-hmm. um, and that's not true. I mean, we believe in a lot of different yeah, things. We just like don't it. believe in what you believe, and that's why yeah. we're called non-believers. Um, pagan actually comes from an old Roman word that really just meant country dweller, which all that actually meant was somebody who didn't practice the state religion. Mm-hmm. So at one time, everybody was pagan. pagan. Yeah. So it just meant somebody who didn't practice the state religion, and in Rome, it was the Roman religion. So Rome would go out and conquer all these surrounding peoples. And the people that didn't practice the Roman religion were pagans. They had their own country gods that they practiced with. And that's where the term actually just comes from. So it's there's a lot of misconception about where the word comes from, what it means today, and what pagans actually do. We don't eat babies. Um, first of all, there's way too much fat on babies. <laughs> and there's not a steady supply. Uh, that's a joke (laughs) that's really a joke Um, we don't worship Satan because Satan is a construct of Christianity and we're not Christian Mm -hmm. there are people that can that 
that count themselves as part of the pagan community that are called Luciferians that do practice with the Archangel Lucifer. But that's not the same thing as Satan. Even mm-hmm. people that study Christianity will know that that's actually not the same thing as, as Satan or the devil. Um, so there's there's a lot of gods in paganism that look like the devil or act like the devil as you see in Christianity. But that's where Christians got that idea of what the devil looks like and acts like is from mm-hmm. these pagan gods of people that they were eventually taking over once Christianity became the big thing. So there's a lot of misconceptions about how we are and what we do. We do have a set of morality. It's just not predicated on whether or not we're going to be punished by a divine being later on for it Hmm. in the afterlife. It's I don't kill people because I don't want to kill people. Taking away their life is wrong. It's not up to me to decide what they do with their life. Now, if they're hurting other people, yes, I'm going to stop them. But if they're not hurting anybody, and all they're doing is living their life to the best of their abilities and trying to get through the world, uh, there's no reason for me to tell them to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I feel like that's general humanity at that point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So looking to at inner faith in particular and your interest in that and wanting to become a part of that community, how have you found a sense of support with the Center for Interfaith Cooperation? Has it been difficult to maneuver amongst different religions um or is it easy to find a commonality in some regard first with some people in the cic it's been easy to find a commonality because i think those are the ones that are more open to questioning what paganism is and they don't just they have their assumptions but they're like well maybe my assumptions aren't right because she looks pretty freaking normal to me Mm -hmm. um So they're more open to asking questions and receiving answers and then saying, oh, well, we do this in my faith, too. Wow, that's not really that different. And I'm like, no, it's not, is it? There have been people that have not been quite as open. And I think they're just they just don't know what to do. I don't think it's because they're bad people or they are not accepting of my faith. It's that I just think they just don't know what to do. They've never been around somebody who's pagan. They sometimes don't know what to ask because they're afraid I'm going to be offended Um, Or they just don't know what to ask. Or maybe some of them might be just actually afraid of me, which is fine. Um, Working with the CIC in some ways has been harder and in some ways has been easier than working within my own community. Um, Within my own community, I'm just another person. I don't have any special powers. I don't have any special authority really, other than what they give me, whereas with the CIC, I'm a novelty. So if they have a question about paganism and what might be appropriate, they are going to come to me and I'm Mm -hmm. the person to go to. So it's, it's great. Yeah, (laughs) it's great, but it is a lot of responsibility. Um, I have found that navigating the different religions within paganism is much more difficult than navigating the different religions within the CIC mm. because again for the most part a lot of the people that are at the CIC are there to learn and are there to facilitate those interfaith relationships whereas in the pagan community there's only now starting to be a sense of we really need to come together as a community and support each other as a community and not just as separate groups doing mm. things mm-hmm. so just now within the pagan community we've been having more of well, your group is doing this. Is it an open ritual? Great. I want to come to that. 
I'll get the details off Facebook. It's easier to network now. So we're more apt to show up to different things. Right. So Interesting. So do you find that it may need to start within the pagan community, this sense of identity of some sort? in order to then facilitate an interfaith dialogue amongst different faiths. Absolutely. We are having a lot of discussions right now and a lot of um, some dialogue right now within the pagan community as to what our community is going to look like. My personal opinion about it is that we can't be exclusionary in our community. Um, there's a lot of politics involved. There's a lot of um, this is the way we've always done it. So this is the way we're going to continue to do it within the pagan community, um, which doesn't really work because mm-hmm. if you wanted to stick with the way that it was always done, just because the way that we had always done it that way, paganism in its modern form wouldn't exist in the first place. It's time for the younger generations to pick up that mantle and continue the fight, to continue to fight for LGBTQ rights, to continue to fight for women's rights and the rights of immigrants and refugees and things like that. People that we want to have in our community, we cannot have a strong community when excluding those types of people. We need them in our community to survive and to continue to move forward as a group and as a religion. If a religion doesn't change with the times, it cannot be the religion of man. I don't remember who said that, but it's somebody who's much more famous than me. That's real wise. And it's very, very true. Because if your religion doesn't change and stays stagnant, it's not, it can't survive. We need to evolve as a community. We're in the throes of deciding what our community is going to look like. And I personally want it to look like so many shades of the rainbow and so many shades of gray and so many all of the colors in the world and every denomination there's there should be no limits to how you worship the divine and excluding somebody just because they do it differently than you is not okay Mm -hmm. I mean there are some caveats to that of course people who are just actually evil people and do evil things don't belong in our community but other than that it should be pretty it should be open we shouldn't be sequestering ourselves and that's the definition of interfaith yeah in a lot of ways from what i see it yeah and looking too i feel like part of what's liberating about paganism is that you can make it your own and it is an evolving faith Mm -hmm. whereas so many do have that rooted history that is institutionalized and this is the way things are and that's the way they worship, which is nothing wrong with that. But I think that's one of the great things about paganism from what you've been saying. Yeah, it it certainly is a changing religion. The gods, the old gods that we worship these days, that we call them by their ancient names, they're not the same ones that people at that time worshipped. Their personalities and their motivations have changed because ultimately the gods that you worship is reflective of the people and the person that you are. So if your God is vengeful and wrathful, what does that say about your society? If your God is loving and accepting, what does that say about your society? And if your God used to be one way and is now something different, what does that say about your society? The gods are reflections of ourselves. I know a lot of people are like, well, the gods created us. And that's fine. I 
that's that's fine if that's what they want to believe but they are reflections of ourselves there's nobody that's not going to argue that the gods are archetypes of human behavior so how you work with those gods and how they reflect your behavior is very telling of your society well thank you so much ashley for <laughs> being here i know there's still so much to talk about and please if any listeners out there that wants to learn more please reach out to ashley through the center for interfaith cooperation but thank you for being here and please stay tuned for another episode from another board member in their great interfaith dialogue as well thank you thank you Visit the Center for Interfaith Cooperation.org for more information and ways to get involved. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned. <laughs>